0: So, uh, good to see you today, and uh, good to be able to share with you. We had a wonderful night at the, uh, at the Grove. I mean, it really was good. I, I knew it was going to be good, but it was really good. It was just such a great night of worship. And I'm standing there, and, and I'm just going to throw this. You know, I think out loud, which also gets me in trouble. Anybody think out loud, and then everybody goes, I thought you were going to do it. No, I'm just thinking out loud. And I was sitting there, and I was looking around, and I was thinking, you know what? This would be a great place to have Christmas, uh, an influenced Christmas. Wouldn't it be great? And, and I was just sitting there thinking, you know what? We should do this. So we're going to start really praying about it and putting plans into place. It's going to be, you know, it seats about 1,200 people. So it's a, it's a great place to invite your friends, to be a part of it. Uh, it's a neutral environment. So a lot of people that are a little scared of church but think baby Jesus is okay, they might come. You, you know, people that come to Easter, you know, the, I like the resurrection. I, I like the, the baby Jesus. But, you know, I don't know about that second coming thing. and. You know, so there's all just kind of things that, uh, that kind of appeal to people. And I think we really have to be intentional. You have to be intentional in, in touching lives of people around you. Because you know people that nobody else in this room knows. And you have an, an entrance into the life that nobody else has. Uh, they did a survey. They said 85% of the people that don't go to church said they would go if a friend or a family member invited them. So, just because they've told you no once, doesn't mean they're going to tell you no again. Amen? And then one other quick announcement. How many of you uh, are really impressed with the lighting in this building? Anybody? Nobody's impressed with the lighting in this Everybody hates the lighting in this building. Well, let let me take you back about nine years when we built this building, and we thought we had lights that were fully dimmable, and they worked really cool, and all that kind of stuff, and then we found out they weren't, and they didn't work, and... And then we've been trying to find solutions, honestly, off and on, over the years, to try to, you know, so like, I've got some of you in the dark, some of you in the light, some of you in the dark, some of you in the light, and then and then some of you go, I can't even see when I come in here, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I have some really good news for you. In heaven, there's going to be perfect light. <laughs> but I have some further good news, and that further good news is that we have actually we purchased back in January uh, new lights that will cover all through here, all that area there, and they're fully dimmable. They're all the all different the spectrums of the of the color lighting that we can create everything we want in here, and so give us about I'm going to say a month. It'll probably be quicker than that, but uh, we're actually going to be able to see some of you. Some of you say I didn't want to be seen. This is why I set over here, right? <laughs> I'm hiding. Um, but we're going we're gonna to really improve the quality of your experience here, and so thank you for being patient and uh, walking in the dark, because you will see a light. That's what the Bible says. You will see the light. Today I want to talk to you about a lost and found generation. You know, never has there been a time where we have in America, and really globally, seen more lost among generations they' there, there's, there's a a combination of what's happened in terms of societal changes and cultural changes also uh, as you get closer and closer to the end of an age, the age of god you're going to you're going to see more challenges in our world and we've gone through a period of a couple of years of of great uncertainty and challenges, confusion and messaging, and now uh, I'm glad to say, but I'm not, I'm not proud about it. I'm glad to say that many of the things that we stood for, um, other people are saying now and finding that we weren't as crazy as they thought we were two years ago. Um, and I think that the key is always when you honor God first, you're always, it's always going to work out. When, you, when you're not sure if you want to honor God or when you're not sure you want to do a courageous thing, then you live your life in fear. And fear never succeeds at anything. You know, Churchill uh, said this. He said, the foundation of every character trait, the foundation stone of all of them is courage. And if you have the courage to stand, if you have the courage to speak and to proclaim the name of God, it may not immediately feel right, but it will eventually feel right, and turn out right. So I just want to challenge you just to be, be who you are. You know, be the men and women of God that he's called you to be. Amen? And so what we want to do is we, want to, we're not, we don't want to be content with losing a generation. The, the great church historian Kenneth Scott Ladorette said um, that we are only one generation from moving from Christianity into paganism. And it's so true. Let me talk to you about generations and what they mean in your life. And we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of this hour to to really make a decision for yourself. But think about this. Every right choice you make, you're making it easier on those who come after you. Every right choice you make. The choices you are making will affect your family line for generations to come. Some of the things you're challenged with today have been in your family for generations. And remember, Satan, he's, he's been from the beginning, so he has watched your family line struggle with the same stuff. So it's not like it's hard for him to figure out what you're going to struggle with. So all he has to do is go, I know this is predictable in your household. This is predictable in your household. And so you see that same thing. And and right now you might be thinking back, yeah, I think I'm like, and then name that relative. It might be a father, grandfather, great-grandfather, or mother, right? And you say, why is that still true? You see, the reason that when you try to push against those generational problems, let's say, the reason that Satan it, it often seems so hard is because Satan knows that if you get victory there, then you get victory for future generations too. You can change the course of the, of the of your of your family line. And there are people in this church that have multiple, multiple challenges in past generations who have come full circle and come out of that and have testified and said, I am the those I hear things like this, I'm the first Christian in my entire family. Ever. I am the first one who's not divorced. I mean, just, they just keep going down the line, you know, because they, they realize that it took something to push against the current. But once they did, they found the joy and the power in all of that. You know, if you, if you struggle with discouragement or defeat or depression, you know, you might look back and find that that was in your family. It might have been an atmospheric thing. That is, it might have been environmental. You just kind of grew up in that, and it seemed normal, and that's what you did. You know, my mom was an artist, and she was when she was really down and blue, she could paint like crazy, and if she was happy, she couldn't paint at all, and it, she tapped into that melancholy personality, but, but she wasn't always fun to be around because she was depressed and defeated. And I watched that growing up, and I said, that's not going to happen to me. It's just not going to, and not even as a Christian. I wasn't even a Christian at that point. I said, I'm not doing this. I don't know what this is, but I don't want this. I also don't have the art skill that she had. But but you see, you, you have to make some decisions along life's journey to say, I'm not doing that. That's courage. Our children have enough things to overcome without having to deal with our negative baggage. I mean, stop thinking about you for a minute and think about your kids and your grandkids. Don't you think life is tough? I mean, I've heard adults, you know, let's say middle-aged older adults say, wow, I've never seen like this. It's so much harder than when I was growing up. Then why not lift the load on your children and your grandchildren and make life easier and better for them? Because they're they're contending with more than you ever did. Your life can either be a stepping stone for your family to go higher or a stumbling block that causes them to struggle. Are you a stepping stone or are you a stumbling block? Now remember, stop thinking about you for a minute, okay? And think about the future and what can happen. Some of you say, well, I, I'm not married. I don't have children. Well, maybe one day you will. But also remember that affecting generations, it doesn't have to be your family. It can be someone just younger than you, right? Someone that you align yourself with, that you encourage, that you pour your life into, and you affect their generation. So, so always just think, i got to get me out of the situation so that I can really begin to minister to the people all around me. You see, we are responsible for future generations. Whether we want to be or not, we are. We are responsible. What will we do with this treasure that God gives us called generations? In Psalm 78, verses 1 through 4, and by the way, I'm going to continue to pour out lots of Scripture upon you because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the what? You got that verse, don't you? Let's say it together. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that means if your faith is going to go up, you have to pour the word of God into your life. So Psalm 78 says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching and incline your ears to the words of my mouth. So God says, now just listen. Tune out all the distractions in your life and listen to my word. I will open my mouth in a parable And I will utter insightful sayings of old, which we have heard and known what our fathers have told us. Now look at this next line. We will not hide them from our children. Do you realize if you're not speaking the word into your children, you're not following the word of God? That's your job. You can talk about sports with them. That's fine. You can talk about school and life and all that other stuff, but don't neglect the most important critical thing, and that is the word of the living God. He says, but we will tell the coming generation the praises of the Lord and his strength and the wonderful works that he has done. What does that mean? The coming generation. Every generation, I'm going to look and say, I'm going to say it to my children. I'm going to say it to my grandchildren. If I live long enough, I'm going to say it to my great-grandchildren. I'm going to speak of generations. I'm going to speak of generations about the goodness of God, whether they're related to me or not. Because we have to understand that it is only God that is going to save and secure our future. He says, the coming generation, the praises of the Lord and his strength and the wonderful works that he has done. We were uh, waiting for the concert to begin. I was sitting out with... Matt and uh, a couple other musicians and we were just talking about life and we just started talking about the power of God. And then we began to talk about about how God is so powerful and yet we tap into that so little. We got talking about if we were going to eat in heaven. You ever thought about this? I mean, I do. These are things I think about. And how Jesus, in his resurrected state, he could eat a fish, and yet he could pass through a wall. And somehow the fish went with him. Don't you find that intriguing? I, I often ask this question, I said, how many of you think I could walk through that back wall back there and those of you who've heard me say this, you know the answer, but how many of you think I could walk through that back wall there? Just raise your hand if you think I could do that. A couple of you. Thank you, I love you. You shall be crowned in heaven. I can walk through that wall as long as I do it in the year 2000 because this building was built in 2001. Now watch, I'm teaching you a theological truth here. This This is not just a joke. You see, the truth is that Jesus could pass through a wall because time and space do not confine someone in the resurrected state. You see, time is a creature word. God does not operate in time. Past, present, future, it's all for creatures. God dwells in the eternal now. Everything is present tense. There is no eternity past, because there is no past in eternity. There is no eternity future. That's why Jesus is said to be the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Because in the heart and mind of God, Jesus was crucified before God ever created man, and man had a problem, man had a sin. Why wouldn't we praise a God like that? You think you, you get overwhelmed with your problems. Have you realized that your problems, as a friend of mine put it one time, your problems are like a speck of dust that hang precariously on a, the edge of a bucket compared to God's power. Amen. Does that metaphor help you to understand how big your problems are? You get overwhelmed. Well, get overwhelmed with the greatness of God. Amen? Look how big and great God is. Have you forgotten that? Every time I get fearful, every time that I I pull back, every time that I worry, everything is because my God is getting smaller in my mind. When God gets bigger, my problems go away. When my God gets smaller, my problems get bigger tell of his wondrous things. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Now this is the commandment and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. Did you notice these are not suggestions? The 10 commandments are not 10 suggestions. The commandments of the Lord are not, these are good if you like them. No, these are the commandments of the Lord, that you may do what? That you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statutes and all of his commandments, which I command you, you, your son, and your grandson. See the generations there? So I'm going to command you, but you need to do this. Your son needs to do this. Your grandson needs to do this. How long? All the days of your life all the days of your life. Do you know who should be the most excited Christians in the room? The ones who have been Christians the longest. And sometimes they just, I don't know, you get around some people, you feel like they got baptized in pickle juice. I mean, seriously, you know, you should be so excited because you've known him so long. John wrote in First in John, he said, I write to you little children because you know your sins are forgiven. Remember that? When you first come, c- come to faith in Christ, your sins are forgiven, and you feel so good about that. And all you can think about is, wow, my sins are forgiven. But then he says, I write unto you young men because you have overcome the evil one and you, and you know the word of God. But then he says, I write unto you fathers, and this would be fathers and mothers in the faith. I write unto you fathers because you have known uh, him who is from the beginning. So in that middle age, you're, you're learning the word of God, but in that, in that mature stage, you're learning the God of the word. You're just enjoying all that you've studied. He says, look what he says here. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may go well with you. If I don't observe it, it will, will not go well with me. Some people, are, they, they tell me how bad things are going. I'm just asking, well, are you keeping the word of God? Just start there. Now, remember, as humans, we're going to struggle. You can't get away from struggle and be on planet Earth. Right? You just can't do it. So you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have hiccups. You're going to have all those kind of issues in your life because you're human and you're not perfect. I know that's news to some people, but you no, know, you're not perfect yet. All right? But you see, but that, that you have to go back and say, but is there any reason why I've, not, I've failed in the word of God? Go back and study that. And he says that it may go well with you that you may multiply greatly. Remember we talked about multiplication, that God loves multiplication. He's not a big fan of addition. He likes multiplication. Right, And he made everything to multiply after its own kind, as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Sound familiar? Remember the the, the Pharisee said to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, oh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, but the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbors yourself. Jesus always gives you more than you ask. I'm just saying, a generation, though, can be lost. You see, I, there's not a parent who hasn't had the experience somewhere, if they've been a parent very long, of going, either I hope my child turns around or I hope my son or daughter comes back to God. That is that's not an uncommon thing to hear, amen. You just hear that. All right? There's no way to guarantee that your children follow in the steps of the Lord, but there is a way to safeguard it, and that is to speak the word of God to them, to give them an example, to not give them, let them decide their their schedule. I know parents that they have no schedule. They, the kids have the schedule and they tell the parents what we're doing. I want to be on two soccer teams. I want to be on one basketball, one you, and going like what? I remember when our two boys were on two different soccer teams, practice every day and then games on Saturday. That meant two different fields. I prayed for minor injuries. <laughs> Nothing that would put them out of the game. Just slow it down so I could take a break. But so often we we forget what's the most important schedule that a, that a person can keep. It's a schedule with God. Amen. If you don't keep a schedule with God, then everything else is going to get in the way. Second Timothy chapter one and verse five: When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, is your faith genuine? Will it stand the test of time? Will it stand the persecution? Will it stand what's going to come up against you in the days ahead? Will it, is it genuine faith? He said, the genuine faith which is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. So here is Timothy, the pastor at the church at Ephesus, who is a disciple of Paul, and he said, you know the explanation of your life? Is your grandmother and your mother lived out their faith in such a way that you modeled your life after them. And that's genuine faith, he calls it. And I am persuaded is in you also. That same thing, you see the generational thing here? Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He says, all right, God gives every person a spiritual gift. And he said, I want you to stir it up. You know what, if you, know, you, ever, you ever had a fire, you know, you, and it kind of starts to burn down, and what do you do? You put another log on it, that doesn't really help. What do you got to do? You got to stir up the embers. Got to get in there and stir it up. My wife's really good at this. I like it when she's good at stuff like that. Amen? I mean, like, she, and she takes pride in it, because her father was good at it, right? That's probably where she learned it. And she'll go up there and she'll start stirring and she'll, she'll fan it, she'll, she'll do everything. And next thing we know, i got a wonderful fire. And then I sing that, that old Willie Nelson song. Sit here at my feet because I love you when you're sweet. Put another log on the fire. Fix me up some bacon and some beans. You don't know this song? This is a classic. Yeah, you probably don't recognize it because I can't sing. All right. Judges chapter two, verse seven. Now stay with me. The word of God is so powerful, if you let it just soak into your life. It says, so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. So remember, there was Moses, he handed the mantle to Joshua, and then Joshua took the people into the promised land. All the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. So now you've got Joshua, he passes, and there are those leaders around him and it says, "Who had seen all the great works that the Lord had done in Israel?" You know, when you, when you experience God, it stays with you. When you're, when you're just kind of Christianity's a hobby for you and not really your life, think you miss out on so much that God wants to do, and it's easy to fold and just say, "Well, you know, I, I, I used to do that. I used to believe that. And that's look what happened here in Judges chapter two and verse 10. That entire generation passed away, and after them grew up a generation who did not know the Lord or the deeds that He had done for them in Israel. What happened? One generation into paganism. It's all it takes. It just takes you dropping the ball. Me dropping the ball. It's all it takes. This is not hard to understand. I mean, you see the, the rise of crime in our cities. You see the chaos in our schools. It's not strange. It was predictable. You pull God out of your schools, and you're going to have problems. You put God, pull God out of anything, you're going to have a problem. You think the secular mindset can fix the problem? It cannot fix it. It only exasperates it, makes it worse. But I want you to understand something, too, about the power of impartation. So my wife and I were at a, a Shabbat with uh, Dennis Prager. Uh, I think I mentioned this, but we were there uh, last Friday, a week ago Friday, with two rabbis and their whole families. And one of the things I, I, I mentioned to you, but I want to I really kind of, it just kind of stuck with me. So the rabbi got up, and there was probably 25 around this table, And he got up and he explained what he was getting ready to do. And he sang Proverbs 31 over his wife. Now, if you want to win some points with your wife, gentlemen, (laughs) sing Proverbs 31 over. Now, what does that do? First of all, that brings honor to the situation, doesn't it? It also brings a reminder that this is a gift from God and that this is the kind of woman you are or will strive to be. So it's a really good thing. Then they walk around to all their children, and they whisper a blessing in their ear. An impartation. A blessing. Now, and you imagine it, and I asked him, I said, how long have you been doing this? He said, I haven't missed one of these in 30 years. Not one Friday night have I missed in 30 years doing this very thing. You think that doesn't have an effect on a family? You know, in our families, you know, sometimes we've got one over there playing video game, one over here watching TV, one outside, and then you're eating, standing up at the island. And you wonder why your kids don't love the Lord their God with all their heart, their mind, their soul, and their strength. You planned it that way. You planned for them to be separated from your family and planned for them to be separated from God. Derek Prince said this, a word spoken with some particular form of spiritual power and authority for good or evil that sets in motion something that will probably go on for generation to generation. When you speak life over your children, it it will have a life of its own. When you speak evil over your child, it will have a life of its own. You see, because this impartation idea, and I'm gonna explain that, is both an attitude and an action. It's an attitude that I, do I believe that God has empowered me to bless others? And I don't mean, that doesn't mean write them a check. That means to really impart something spiritual into their life that makes them better people, closer to God. See, the Bible teaches it, it's not hard to find. It's just hard to find in practice. So the action would be, As that rabbi went around and he put a blessing over the life of his children, he spoke a blessing into their ear. Psalm 78, one through four. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. incline my ears, uh, your ears, to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. Remember this? Okay, and I will utter insightful things of old which you have have heard and known what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children but will tell the coming generation the praises of of the Lord and his strength and the wonderful works he has done. Why do we need to do that? Malachi addresses this. Listen to what he says. This is the last book in the Old Testament. So this is the first book before the book of Matthew before the coming of Jesus. And here's what he says. God says, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreaded day of the Lord. And look what he will do. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. You know what God says? The end time plan for God is to bring families back together is to unite fathers with their sons and mothers with their daughters and children with their parents. This is, the, this is the heart of God. You realize the family is really the first institution in the Bible, and it's the first one that was under attack by Satan. And now we've got people that are struggling, children that are, are growing up so confused by all of this, all this gender crap and I'm being nice when I call it crap because other words come to my mind, right? They're so confused. They don't know where to go because why? We don't have responsible adults who are taking, res- making responsible decisions for those generations that are to come. And we have to be the ones. And it may not be easy for you. And it may be hard for you. And it may be challenging you. And you may want to be political. And you may want to be quiet. This is no time to be quiet. This is, no, this is time to be loud. This is time to be strong. This is the time to stand up and says, thus saith the Lord our God. Amen. That's what these days are all about. So here's what I want to do. I have a prophetic blessing that I want to bestow on you. And I want you to pass it on to someone. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. Stand up, and I'm going to ask you to come forward. Just gather around here, and I'm I'm just going to place a blessing over you. Uh, If this gets too crowded up here, just squeeze and get tight enough to get COVID. (laughs) Amen. Just come in tight, all right, and just kind of spread out everywhere you can here. There's something about community. There's something about not only the attitude but the action that seals things in your heart. You may say, Pastor, do I have to do that? No, you don't. It's all up to you, all right? If you can't squeeze in, the aisles are adequate, all right? That's an altar. That's an altar. That's an altar, all right? Now, I want to ask you this. Are you ready to receive a blessing from God? Just, just say, I, I, am, I, am I am ready. Amen. See, the heaven hears that. Isn't that wonderful? Heaven hears that. He hears your heart. He sees your attitude. He knows that that every action is going to be a powerful action. And I want you just to repeat this after me. In the name of Jesus, I declare the blessing of a thousand generations over me and over my family. The curse is broken. I'm going to repeat that. The curse is broken. In the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, we break the curse that holds us back, keeps us from from excelling and blessing future generations. Amen? Amen. And the favor is coming like a flood. And the favor is coming like a flood. My life will be marked by good decisions and obedience, the Word of God. I will destroy the works of the enemy that future generations may prosper and usher in the kingdom of God. If you receive it, just say, I receive it. Now, let me just bless you right now. God, I bless these people in the name of Jesus. Father, as you've called me to be the shepherd of this house, God, and as you've just arranged everyone here to be here today. I pray the spiritual blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob on every person. I pray the favor of God would be so rich and so thick on their life. I pray, God, that they will speak forth life, that they will speak forth truth, that they will stand when they're tempted to fall, that they will be strong and courageous, that the power of Almighty God will overshadow them, and they will be like kings and priests before God Almighty in Jesus' name. Amen.